Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. My heart today is that you would see Jesus, that today throughout this, this sermon that you would encounter the living God who wants to meet you in whatever area of life you're in today. Because God is living, Jesus is active, he lived and died for us, and he wants to meet you. And I hope that you would step into these scriptures with an expectancy that God is here, that he is already here, that he wants to see you and meet you and love you and engage with you in all areas of your life. Because I realize, and I think Jesus realizes too, that we all are coming from different perspectives. We're all stepping into this space, into a relationship with Christ from a different vantage point. And sometimes that can be really hard. But I know that our God, the one that lived and died, is big enough to meet you there. And so would you engage with me as we go through these scriptures? So as Melissa and the um, team has been doing, we're we're going into Luke. We are going to spend this whole year diving deep. And if you don't know me, which I will probably introduce myself because I love meeting people, I am a deep diver, okay? When I get into something, it's like there's, there's nothing you can stop me from learning all the things. Literally, we learned about bowling, and I was like Googling. We were Googling about bowling. I didn't even play. I didn't even bowl. But I was like, I have to know about bowling, okay? It was like all I could do. From sneakers to to Bible verses, like whatever the case is, if I'm going to invest in something, I'm going to deep dive. And so that's what we're doing this year is deep diving into one of the Gospels of Luke. Luke is one of four Gospels. Um, They each are accounting for the life of Jesus. And I think that's a beautiful thing because I think the four Gospels show the humanity of the Bible. Because the idea that there are four perspectives of this dude's life, dude, I'm from California, we use things like stoke, dude, rad, just be with me, you can't, it's just fervent, you learn when I'm 14, and so this dude, and I think it shows the humanity of the Gospels, of the Bible, the fact that four people are writing a perspective about this guy, and what an amazing thing that we're able to see it written down, to learn about him from diverse perspectives, and so we're going through Luke, and um, we're going to be spending a lot of time in Luke. And that's like, wow, guys, that's a lot of time. Do I really want to go through 52 weeks in the book of Luke? That's a lot. Trust me, I know. And, and my heart is that like, you're like, that's a lot. My heart would be that you would see the value of going deep and in sitting with Jesus. Because that's what this whole book is about, is about learning about Jesus and how he transformed your life. And so my heart and I think our church's heart is that you'll be, we'll be able to have a very full view of what it looks like to be transformed by Jesus. Because this book is all about transformation. It's all about what it looks like to live more like Jesus and how he did that and what he said. I think oftentimes our culture forgets the words of Jesus sometimes. I think it's really easy to stand up here and to say things, but what does Jesus actually say? What does he actually say about your heart? What does he actually say about what it looks like to build a life that's transformed by the Lord? So here, we, here we're, we're in this section. So we know that um, Gospel of Luke, there's um, the birth of Jesus. 
his launch into ministry, and now we're at the start of his radical teaching, his public, his public ministry, right? His radical teaching. This, this sermon is called the Sermon on the Plain, if we want to get technical. Okay, technical. There's my deep dive a little bit. This is also in Matthew. This section of Luke is much shorter and more condensed, but it still is vastly intense, okay? So this is the first time we see Jesus, like, going hard, like, going at it. He's like, okay. You're here, you showed up, you're sitting down. What do I have to lose now? Let's go. Let, 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 let's fire at all cylinders. We are going to tell you what it is and what I'm expecting and what I want because I want you to live a full life. And so we're at this point in Luke, the, the end of Luke 6, where we've seen a lot of outward changes. So we've seen him heal on the Sabbath. We've seen him provide meals. And we're at this section where He's now changing from an external, external change, like healings, things like that, to now going deep within to the internal transformation. And what's so funny, what's so crazy is that that's so much harder to see. It's so much easier to accept, expect a God to heal you from the outside. But what really matters is the inside. And I think that's so hard because we live in a culture that external things give you a vision of what you think the internal looks like, but that's not the reality. Often external things are n- don't look anything like the internal. And I think that's what Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is continually calling us out of these rules and laws and into a life of wholeness and forgiveness. And I think that's the depth that Jesus is wanting to hit in this last section of Luke. Um, so I... I'm a deep diver, but I want to make it clear that I'm, I didn't go to seminary. I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing this because um, I'm paying to do it, which is great. I wish I would. Like, I think that's an amazing thing. I think that seminary is one of the most beautiful things you can do. But I want you to know that these resources are available to anyone. Like, any of you, any of us can deep dive into Luke. Let's go. I'll be there. Coffee shop? Come on. We'll bring them all. So I want to tell you that a lot of the resources that I used came from amazing Melissa, who she's incredible. I love her her knowledge. And just on the internet and researching commentaries and things like that. So know that these are available to you, to us. That I'm not special up here. It's not that I'm trying to um, do things. No, this stuff is available to all of us. These sources and resources um, we are all able to access this. So if you have any questions, if you're like, Jade, I really do want to deep dive. I want to learn more about, about Luke or about any book. Please let, talk to me. I would love to chat more. Give my friends a break from me going on and on and on about all of this stuff. Let's get some new, some new people in there. So um, N.T. Wright was someone that I find very fascinating. He writes, um, each is a warning about rival teachings, rival visions of the kingdom about solutions which leave the depths of the problem untouched. I think it's important because we often try to find solutions to our problems, but don't actually deal with the problem itself. And so I think what Jesus is going at in these four illustrations is the fact that he is not wanting to deal with the solution. He's wanting to deal with the problem, like the root of the issue. Um, Okay, so I cut these, not cut these. I separated these into three main sections. So the first section we're talking about is consumption. What are you consuming? So verse 39 to 40, then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? 
Students are not greater than their teachers, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Um, this is also referencing John um, as well, this section. I'm a teacher, love teaching. So these ideas, um, all of these illustrations, which what I'm going to call them, are, are intense are intensely contrasting two different things. So this one is blind and sight. Very extreme opposites, right? They're, they're in, it, the weight that Jesus is trying to paint a picture is very, very important. And this is also a direct dig at the Pharisees, which in, the, in this beginning chapter got really in a tuffle. They were very upset for, because Jesus was doing things that they viewed as like not proper. Okay, sure, Jesus, Pharisees. And then they got all upset and they left. And so this is a direct dig at them. Like, are you gonna lead people, if you're blind, you're gonna lead people into blindness as well, which is a really scary thing to be said. Who we are learning from is really important. What are you, I think the question that I continually came back to this section is, what are you consuming? Like, what are you consuming? Like, what is informing your, your worldview? Where are you getting information from? What are you watching? Because I think that's really important because in today's society, that is like who our teachers are. Back, so let's back up. Back then, being a teacher was very important because we have to remember literacy rates were like non-existent. No one, not many people could read. And so we have these very lower income people, humans, um, learning and they had to learn from someone like you they had to be taught and so the stake of being a teacher was much higher than it is now in a society where we're more self-taught is kind of how I view it as and so we have to realize like the teacher in the scripture Jesus is talking about is more like to be honest our podcast Instagram YouTube of today and so my question is like what are you consuming because he, he he's saying that you are going to be like your teacher so you are going to, we are going to be like what we're consuming. Those, those YouTube videos I watch, those podcasts, those Instagram influencers I watch, which in and of itself is fine, but are we being intentional in what we're consuming? I think that's what Jesus is asking. And I'm, I'm all about multiple diverse thought. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you need to like cut yourself off from this person or that person. That is not the heart of Jesus. But the heart of Jesus is to be mindful of what you're consuming, right? Are you doing your research? Are you paying for your news? Are you letting Twitter and, and Instagram give you those, those things and, and what the world is looking at and, and what Christ has done? Um, I think that it's really, really easy. And we need to make sure we're going into things eyes wide open, like looking at things as they should be, right? We are consuming things, we are being taught things, and we are going to be like our teacher. We are going to be like the stuff we consume. And Jesus saw that back then, and we're seeing it now. Right. And so I think that it's really important to understand, to discern, what are you consuming? What are we consuming? Are we going to be like our teacher? What is that teacher? Who are we going to be like? Because whether you like it or not, you're going to be like someone, and if it's not like Jesus, it's probably going to be someone else. We, are, we live in a culture that is shallowly formed. We, um, we went through a book study a few, few months back, like a month, two months ago, um, The Deeply Formed Life. 
And that was exactly the whole premise of Rich Valadis' book, was that like we are being formed into a culture. What culture is that? And I think that's what's so important, is what you're learning from. What are you consuming? How are those contributing to changing those untouched parts of my life that I didn't even know were there? And so I think that's what Jesus is, is asking. Who are you learning from? You are going to be like your teacher. Who is your teacher? And so those are, those are things that I think Jesus was questioning the people he was teaching and what I think he's questioning, asking us today. Because he wants a full life. And he knows that the, the, the problem, the, the depth of the soul needs to be transformed. So consumption, what are we consuming? The second section is character, right? Character. We go from consumption to character. Um, this is going to be uh, 41 to 45. I'm gonna split this into two sections. Jesus really loves his illustrations and they're quite humorous if you look at them clear, carefully, but they're, he's trying to paint a picture. Can you imagine, he, these people are sitting there for hours. He's, he's at the end of his sermon. Like he has to like, you know, be funny, I guess. Okay, okay so 41. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Um, he's also, this is also a section in Matthew as well. Um, I like the idea that all the Gospels have similar threads, and so that's why I like mentioning them for us to know, like, oh, this is a, a similar story in all the threads. That's a side antidote. Okay. Husa Gonzalez is another author that um, I um, got commentary from, and his whole idea is that, like, true judgment begins with oneself. True judgment begins with one's self. If I can't judge myself, then if I can't, hold myself accountable for my actions, how can I hold my friends, the people I'm in community with? You see here, too, this very intense picture, again, of comparison, a speck, which I imagine is like a grain of sand, and a log, which I probably could not pick up. Like these intense contrasting differences, is Jesus trying to paint a picture of, this is what we're dealing with. The term hypocrite is also not a very cute term. It's not cute. It's not a good look. They're not, they're not like looking like, oh, I want to be a hypocrite. No, you don't want to be a hypocrite. It's like an actor who's honestly lying to themselves. That's the definition he's using here is he, you are, the hypocrite is lying to themselves about what they actually are, who they are. And I think the, the, the depth of the problem is, is are we lying to ourselves about who God has called us to be? Like, are you living into that true sense of what God has called you to be? And I think the idea is that we all have logs in our eyes. I'm sorry. I do too. I've never seen it more real than this year. This year has been extremely hard on myself. I have um, cried more than I could ever imagine. Um, and I have been rude. I've been not fun to be around. And um, the idea that we all have issues. And I think the endearing term that Jesus is using is he says friend a lot. Right? Like he's not doing this to some random person on the street. We're in community, 
right? And we're supposed to help each other out. And, and I think that by us not understanding that we have logs in our eye does a disservice to those around us and as well as ourselves. But how can we help those around us? Friends, right, the ending term is see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He's like, he wants you to be in community. He wants accountability to take place. But if you can't get the speck, the log out of your own eye, you aren't going to be able to see that speck. You're not going to be able to help call your friends to a higher standard. And I think the humility of the fact that I do not have it all together. Can you help me? I need to get this log out. I need to see clearly. I want to see you clearly. And I think... Honestly, when it comes to sections of our life, judgment is the first thing we go to instead of compassionate listening. I think that if we were to live in a society, or honestly us, that we would come to people with compassionate listening, like I care and I want to hear you, how that would change. A lot of studies have shown that Christians, the public views Christians as not the most compassionate listeners. It's a really high percentage of people that I just want Christians to listen to me without judgment. Super high. And if that's what the public is seeing from us, we have a lot of work to do. I'm in that as well. And so what would it look like for us to take a good inventory of our soul, deep inward formation, to say, what is it that is hurting those around us, around me, who... What are the things in my life, the sin? I know no one likes that word, the sin in our life that's hurting those around us. And what would it look like to take it out, to get rid of it? Because that's the, that's the root problem. And Jesus is, wants, to, wants a full life, and that means living into that fullness. And that means taking inventory of what your soul is like and being very honest about that. Uh, I think that it's beautiful, this picture, because Jesus is like, you can't do it alone, and you will be in a place to help others. Because I think it's so beautiful to be able to take the log out and see like, oh, wow, this is really impeding my life. For example, I have major control issues. I have major, I have major control issues. It, they're not, it's not cute, and it's not like, oh, you like to be in control. No, it like impacts the, the whole, my whole life, okay? Like, it's not something that I, I could, like, cry thinking about, like, how control has, like, completely impeded my way to be a good friend or a good sister because of the fact that I like things my way. And so this issue in my life caused me to have an actual anxiety attack last fall. Like, full on, like, my life is spinning out of control and because I couldn't, this log completely wrecked my entire life for a good three months. And... But I think the beautiful part of that was I was able to see that, give myself grace, and then the compassion that comes from people dealing with that as well. The specks in my friend's eye, it's so much easier for me to have grace for that when they want help or they need help in, in overcoming those things. I'm so much more prepared. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the speck and the log, right? They're, they're useful, but the idea that Judgment should be the last thing we're doing when we come to our friends because we often all have logs in our own eyes. The next section is the tree and its fruit, right? A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. 
A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasure of the good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. This again in Matthew 7. Again, contrasting very intense things, good and evil, right? Like, wow, Jesus, you really are like gamut of the, of the sections today. So fruit is a direct overflow from your life. Like you're not going to produce what you don't have. Like it's not possible, right? Once you start producing fruit, the internal stuff has been dealt with. And so you're just overflow. You don't even think about what you're producing anymore. If it, if once you've done the work on the inside and flourishing happens in these areas, right? And so the idea that once you've tasted the goodness and the good fruit, there's no way that you would want any of the plastic, artificial things. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at here is that like you want a life that is producing good fruit, but you have to do the internal work because the, the overflow is, is, is going to happen regardless if you try or not. If the root system and the tree that you've, that you've infl- um flowed into and, you, and you've stewarded really well, it's just going to be a natural overflow of that in your life. How beautiful, right? We don't have to, we, most trees, you don't have to work for them. Like once you've done the soil, given it the water, they're going to produce for years. But it's the initial stewardship that is, is of, of great value. And then we get to the last section, commitment. Your girl loves commitment. Can I just tell you? Like, if I had a slogan, it'd be, please commit. Like, that's literally my, oh gosh, I could do flips of joy. I love, the word commitment, come on. Like, oh, let's just give a second. Commitment, I love commitment. For years, I've loved commitment. And 46 to 49 is, I honestly think, is Jesus' way of calling us into a deep commitment. Makes me so happy. (laughs) Like, I I know, I'm so weird, guys. It's okay. Okay, 46 to 49, building on a solid foundation. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep, lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweeps against, whoa, when the flood sweeps down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruin. Bummer. (laughs) Right? These contrasting ideas, right, of um, standing strong, heap of ruin. I don't, there's no middle, I guess. So um, Diane Chen says, wisdom and obedience keep the house standing. I've heard for a long, long time that obedience is God's love language listening and obeying Christ. That's his love language. And um, 
this is the final section of his, of his sermon on the plane. This is the final section he's, he's leaving them with is this foundational piece, which I think is very interesting because he's saying that this is, well, I would think this is of great value to him, to Jesus, that he's saying this. Great value, I think because it's so difficult. This isn't easy what he's asking, right? You call me Lord, Lord, but what are you actually building? What are you building on? And I think that I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. That's obedience, right? So I'm a teacher. I would say a good 50% of the time, I want to pull my hair out. I for sure have gray hair somewhere in here, like, especially this year. But when my kids, like, get it, when they just, like, understand or they are able to copy something that I've said and it improves their life, it is like, like, I couldn't ask for a better job in those 30 seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> they're very far and few between, but those 30 seconds, it's like the divine and the reality meet. That's what I feel like it is. It's like a kiss from Jesus. Oh, they got it. That Val team, they understood. They remembered for 30 seconds. And I, and I think I can really like relate to Jesus here. Not that I'm anything like Jesus, but I can kind of understand what he's saying is the fact that when you follow it and when you come to me, when you listen and then you follow it, it's like a house built on solid rock. And I think he's, he's very, it's very true here. When the flood waters rise, he's not saying that that won't happen. He's saying that it will happen. And when it does happen, I think that we live in a society that's really, that obedience to something other than ourselves is not almost non-existent unless you're a Christian. Because self over anything else is kind of what we build our society on. Um, but I think that Jesus is saying that obedience to me will produce a whole self. I think that's what's really important to realize is the fact that we are all going to be obedient to something, whether you like it or not, whether we like it or not. I, I, control freak over here, like fully understand, okay? Like if we are not obedient to Christ, we're going to be obedient to something because that's just how we are wired. If we're not following, we're, we're, we're all, we are all following something. Me, my control habits, you can fill in the blank for yourself, right? We're all following something. And so that commitment aspect that makes me so excited is because being committed to something, to Christ, who, who can produce that good fruit, who can build that good character, who can help you withstand the floods rising, I don't know where else I'd want to be. Because my floods rose last year. Guys, I can't even explain to you right? Like what? And I'm still here, right? This is actually a really hard thing for me to do because I have been um, very hesitant to be in big group settings because my anxiety has been so high. Um, I almost quit my job. I could start crying now. And so the idea that when, when the flood rises, that I was so thankful that my foundation was there because I don't know where I'd be 
right? I don't know if I'd still be here because it was so hard. And I cannot be more grateful for the fact that that work that was there was, was solid. And that is my call and my heart and the posture of Jesus is that it is worth it. It is worth digging in. It is worth committing. It is worth seeking out that truth because I am on the other side, albeit not very far, and it's still really hard, and I still find myself spiraling and trying to create new habits for myself. Um, but I'm just so grateful that, that I, I listened. And I'm not saying that I have always done that. I'm not saying that I've always made the right choices, and I for sure have made a lot of very poor choices um, building my foundation, right? But I think the beautiful thing is it's a long game, not a short game. It takes a very long time to build foundation. I mean, not the Chicago buildings. They're up in like 30 seconds flat. But for Christ, it's a long game. It's that slow build to getting to the point where you are comfortable with your foundation. And, and when the foundation is being built, floods still rise. The rain still comes, even in those moments of trying to build what you want for the Lord. And so my call to you is that realizing that obedience is something so beautiful, it's not just having to listen to someone. I feel like in our brain, when I think obedience, it's like, oh, I'm just listening. I have to just obey someone. No, like it is a partnership to build a whole life. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things because I think that we often like the external first when in reality, the internal stewardship is what really matters. The internal um, submission to Christ, the obedience to what he's calling you to, I think is the, one of the most beautiful parts of living as a Christian. And so consumption, character, and commitment, right? What are you consuming how is your character developing? And what are you committed to, right? I think that it's really easy when we have a lot of things that, a lot of choices we can do and a lot of things we can, we can choose to do, right? We, we live in a society of endless, endless things to do, right? There's, there's always something to do. And I think that Jesus is constantly in this section calling us deeper like past the law that the Pharisees were checking off, deeper into a change that will actually produce in our life something that's beautiful and whole. Because I, Jesus is not wanting the superficial. He's wanting a deep well of goodness to be the overflow of our lives. And true life is found in Christ. I really believe that. I really believe that, that, that whole, a whole life is there for us to experience. And I think that a lot of the things I said were, are hard. I mean, I could talk, we could, we could spend a whole sermon series on each of these four illustrations, right? They're all, it's a lot. It, it's, it's, it's coming at us very hard, right? Because there are a lot of very intense things. And I want us to take a deep breath because I know it's a lot. And I get that you're like, where do I start? Well, teacher over here, right? Okay, 
So some, some practical steps, right? We're, we, we have the consumption, right? We have the character. We have the commitment. And so I think there are some practical things that we can do as believers. Or if you're like, Jade, I have no idea. I have no clue, like, what to even start. Like, what are you talking about? This seems like a lot. Well, I would say, could, could we please get you a Bible? That's where you first start. You engage with Jesus. And engaging with Jesus looks like reading your Bible. It also looks like being with fellow believers, right? Engaging with this text that's tra- that has transformed lives, that has changed countless, countless humans. And so that's the first thing is, is engage with Jesus. So if you don't have a Bible, please, please, we'd love to get you one. Um, it is, I'm 15 years in following Jesus, and these words still change my life. Like they still are radically transforming how I live. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is commit, my favorite word, commit. <laughs> commit to going to a GC, which is our small groups. Commit to being with fellow believers because I think that is where a lot of this would be, would be made, would seem a lot easier. Because me telling you as one human is very hard. You're like, what do I do? Me as well, right? I, I feel the tense weight of all of these callings from the Lord, right? But with other believers, you're able to hold each other up. It's much easier to do these steps with others around you than by yourself. And, I mean, more fun, to be frank. I want this on a little fun. So commit to attending a GC, community nights, any of those spaces. And when I commit, I, I mean like commit like for a season, for like six months, right? Like three to six months that I'm going to calendar it. I'm going to commit to saying this is a priority in my life, right? And I'm not saying forever, but I'm just saying for a season because we all go through different seasons. We all do things that it all gets a little funky, right? And I fully understand that. I am one to really understand the limits of humans. I experienced this so much the last three months. My my humanity, I've never felt more human. Um, And then... The third thing is is asking yourself some deep internal questions, right? The deep, deep things that you might be scared to, that you're scared of the answers from. Um, What are you consuming? Who are you being formed into, right? Um, Is what I'm learning produce, what what, what am I learning and what is it producing? because we're all producing something. And that's the crazy part of life, is that it doesn't stop, we keep going, right? Like we are constantly growing and evolving, and so we're constantly producing something, but what is it? And I think that's what Jesus would want to know too. What are you producing, right? I think that Jesus is so much more interested in our, in our, in, in our internal transformation than any outward thing. But if our internal is not matching the outward, it's not going to look right. And you're not going to feel right. And there's going to be a gap in what you're seeing and what you're feeling. And I think that, that's what Jesus is calling us into, is how can our internal be transformed so that the overflow is just an overflow? That it's not what we're looking at to mark our lives, but it's just my internal is so satisfied with the Lord. And what happens to come out is what happens to come out. I think it's all this pressure as well to produce in a, in a world where we're looking for content to be out there for us to see. So my call, and, and I think what the Lord would want in these sections is, 
what is what does the inside look like, right? What are you actually, where are you finding that joy? And I think that the things that I that I had said, I have found helpful. I feel like others that have also found found it to be helpful. Um, engaging with Jesus, committing to going to a GC or community night for a season, and then asking yourself hard questions. And if you're like, I don't even know the hard questions, find a friend, right? Like to be vulnerable with that friend, right? Or our counselor or someone who's, who's going to help you through that process because it's not a one-time thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a really long journey. But I think that foundational part is going to produce a whole life and you'll, and you'll be so much stronger. I felt that and I hope you would as well. Um, Heavenly Father, we are grateful. We are thankful and grateful for that internal transformation is so much more of value to you than any external thing we could produce. And so God, would you meet us here? Would you meet our souls and um, continue that work that we are seeing and what that looks like going forward? So God, we are so grateful for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. And would you continually um, speak to our souls? And Jesus, let me pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.